G'day and welcome to the Dolby Anglican Podcast. My name is David and I'm one of the ministers at Dolby Anglican Parish. If you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit anglicandolby.org.au. Today's sermon is part of a series called Frontline and we're looking at part two and it's called Sent Out to Heal and focuses on Luke chapter 9 verses 1 to 9. We hope you enjoy the sermon. The Lord be with you. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke, chapter 9, beginning with the first verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus had called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey. No staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra tunic. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that tent. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet when you leave that tent. As a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing the people everywhere. And I heard the teacher heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed. He came some, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared. And still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. The parents said, I beheaded John. Who then is this I hear such things about? And he tried to see. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The words of my lips and the meditations of my thoughts be ever pleasing in your sight, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Thank you. Thank you. Take a seat. And as you do, you might want to keep your Bibles open uh, to that reading that came as well. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. Luke chapter 9, verses 1 to 9. Because that's where we're going to be focusing our statement today. And that's page 1, 2, and 8. Well, today is Trinity Sunday. Sometimes preachers like to use days like today to try and explain the Trinity. But John Wesley once said, We need a new way. We need to keep up with Like this. It started this morning at the beginning of the service, and um, it comes to us anyway. So she said, Bring me a way that can comprehend the name, and then I will show you a name that can comprehend the name. 
end of the story taken out. Here, friends, we see that the first person of the Trinity, God the Father, never gives up on us. He uses broken people to bring his purposes to us. No matter how bad we are, God is so good that he will stop at nothing to bear his kingdom. Sometimes kill us, sometimes despise us. God is calling broken, working people like you and me to take his goodness to the world. And in this awesome little episode, we see how wondrous it is that people encounter God the Father. And that brings us to our second point. As the disciples take the kingdom of God out, they follow in the footsteps of Jesus. The mission of the second person of the Trinity. Jesus tells them in verse 3, Take nothing for the journey, no scarf, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra food. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that tree. If people do not welcome you, shake the dust of your feet when you leave that town as a testimony against them. Commentator Dale Ralph Davis calls the whole of Luke 9 the training of the twelve. Jesus equips his disciples for ministry and then sends them out on the same mission that he's on. Jesus is omnipotent. We've done omniscient. It seems like I am bad news when you with the theology today, I'm sorry. Um, we talked about omniscient, all-knowing. Jesus is omnipotent, all-powerful. But in his human nature, he humbles himself and limits himself. Before his resurrection, Jesus could only be in one place at a time. He got tired. He got frustrated by sin. And like us, he only had 24 hours in a day. And so he splits up his mission. He multiplies his mission by taking the 12 out. Proclaiming the kingdom of God. Demonstrating the kingdom of God through him. Now, Jesus is still calling us to further his mission today. But are his commands here descriptive, telling us how things happened, or are they prescriptive, telling us how things could happen today? Should missionaries like Bruce and Libby, who we're thinking about and praying for today, you know, this is Sunday, should they take no food, no money, no extra clothes, when they go overseas to share the gospel? No way. And when they go overseas, should they stay in their own home or should they be billeted, like these disciples are? What we see here is not a template for mission. We know this because in Luke 22, Jesus tells the 12, Now if you have a purse, take it and also a bag, and if you don't have a sword, sell your cloak and buy one. In Luke 22, the mission enters a lot of things. What this passage shows us is what phase of mission we need. Time is short. The good news of God needs to go, needs to go out as opposition is going. So the disciples aren't to muck around with bread, budgets, and backpacks. People have seen Jesus' miracles, and they're open to him now. 
So Jesus knows there's life for us to live. That's also why he tells the disciples to take the gospel for seeds if they go to a town where they're not welcome. Ozzie Theologian uh, Leon Morris writes that doing this declared the symbol that the Israelites who rejected the kingdom no better than the Gentiles, the world Jews. They did not belong to the people of God. But it's more than that. At this point in the Luke, the gospel quickens as Jesus' mission goes into this new phase. The disciples don't have time to debate or argue with people who reject them. Jesus knows his death is coming, and so the disciples are not to waste time with people who reject them. Instead, they should have a life and go where people will listen. Here again, the manner of the mission is not prescriptive. Missionaries today are to continue to do God's work, but they often operate on a different timescale. There's a story about a missionary named Admiral Judson in the 1800s who preached the gospel to the Burmese people for six years. Six years he went out, he learned the language, and he proclaimed the kingdom of God. It took six years before anyone became a Christian. But during that time, he translated the Bible into Burmese, and after his death, the church flourished. So much so that today, 6.3 Christians in Myanmar use the Bible that he translated. Again, this passage is not a how-to manual for living, it's a who-to manual. Jesus is at the center of the disciples' gospel proclamation. They preach, teach, and heal in his name. In so doing, they point to Jesus. That's why Herod is not going, oh, well, maybe he's called disciples. What are they doing? Instead, he's fascinated by Jesus. Our goal as a church should always be to serve the mission of Jesus and point back to him. Our message may change, but our mission stays the same. So, where are we to find the power to serve the mission? Of Jesus. It almost sounds arrogant that people like us could further the kingdom of God and be missionaries for Jesus. But tell me to figure out what this mission looks like today if this passage doesn't tell us how to do a mission. If people rejected reject Jesus' disciples, they rejected Jesus himself. What hope is there for us to accomplish anything for Jesus in our day? The answer to all three questions is found in the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And you might be thinking, David, I think you're pushing this Trinity wheelbarrow a little bit too hard here. God and Jesus are in this passage, but there's not even a mention of the Holy Spirit. Which I respond, look more deeply. The Holy Spirit so often works in the background, moving, inspiring, and enabling the mission of Jesus to the glory of God. The Holy Spirit takes this passage along. He's inside Jesus as he calls the twelve to him. He equips the disciples to go, and they they do. Verse 6 tells us, they set out and went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. 
the power comes from the Holy Spirit. When the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and people are set free from illness, sin, possession, as the gospel is preached. It's the Spirit who leads and empowers the disciples to follow in Jesus' footsteps. Without Him, they'd be working, working magic tricks and hearing empty words. But the, it's the Spirit who empowers them to go and do what Jesus did. This earthquake of mission is so great that it triggers King Herod when he hears about it. He's sitting in his little palace, hearing about all the Holy Spirit does. And verse 7 tells us this. Herod the Tetrarch heard about all that was going on. And he was perplexed, because some were saying that John had been raised from the dead, others that Elijah had appeared, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago had come back to life. And Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this? And he hears such things about us. And he tried to see him. The Spirit convicts, and as the disciples learn to live by the Spirit, the pools of power begin to quake. The Tetrarch is a co-ruler, and Herod ruled Galilee with an iron fist on behalf of the Roman Emperor. As Jesus and his disciples build a movement under his nose, it's a bit complex. Some think Jesus is Elijah, the great miracle prophet, come back to life. And Herod is a bit miffed because he's already beheaded Jesus' cousin John for preaching about the kingdom of God. And so he's fascinated by Jesus and he tries to see him. Of course, he'll need to wait until Jesus mocks trials before his crucifixion. But we see that the Holy Spirit doesn't always lead us into safe places. He challenges our ideas of who God is. Whose power are we to operate in? Whose love are we meant to live in? The Holy Spirit. Herod's reaction to the work of the Holy Spirit shows us that people won't always like what God's doing in us. The God, the Holy Spirit, is always working, moving, and advancing the mission of Jesus. Wherever Jesus is being proclaimed, and people are encountering the kingdom of God and finding healing, you'll find the Holy Spirit. And you'll find opposition too. Jesus calls the twelve in chapter one. In a few weeks, we're going to see him doing it again as he sends out the seventy-two in chapter ten. Jesus is still calling disciples to go out into the world and proclaim the kingdom of God today. Friends, so let's not miss God's invitation to us to be drawn into the divine dance of the Trinity. Let's see that there is good news with God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let's see that as God unifies and sends out, so God calls us into that unity. Unity with the church, and then he sends us out in the power of the Holy Spirit to go. How will you take the kingdom of God with you as you leave this place? 
God meant to be calling you to serve overseas like recently. He might be calling you to serve next door as an RI volunteer at Golden State School. Perhaps God's calling you to volunteer at church, reading, welcoming, and serving. Luke 9 reminds us that God uses broken people of all shapes and sizes to follow Jesus into the future. He sends the Holy Spirit into us to empower us today. American author Ariel Mott once wrote, I didn't need to understand the hypostatic unity of the Trinity. I just needed to turn my life over to whoever came up. Redwood trees. Redwood trees are some of the biggest trees in the world. Um, but one of the amazing things about them is they have a very shallow root base. For such big trees, the roots don't go down very long or very far. So how do they stand up? These tiny trees rely on other trees around them. The root systems intersect with other trees around them so that they don't fall over. A redwood tree by itself is very stable. A redwood forest has thousands of trees with one intricate web of interconnected roots. It's the same as God. God is inviting us, His church, into the unbroken system, relationship of growth, nourishment, power. Goodness, love, and beautiful affirmation of the Trinity. Let's not miss our invitation today. God the Father is calling us to proclaim the coming of His kingdom, furthering His mission, the mission of Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.